Well, I hope so. This place is starting to give me nightmares. Yeah, I know what you mean. No, Joey, I mean real nightmares. I had this one last night. I keep seeing the same lunatic killing people. You're so weird, so crazy-like. You're crazy. Don't say that. I was only kidding. Give me a kiss. Are you in here? You're not supposed to be playing that flute. Now give it to me, Paulie. Jesus Christ. You've been playing that same thing for over an hour. Don't you know anything else? Do you think I did it on purpose? Well, it was your fault, wasn't it? I mean, if you hadn't been so drunk and run into that car, I wouldn't be a cripple now, would I? In any case, do we have that donor's name and address on file? We do, Doctor. The donor's a patient at the state mental hospital. Anything else? Yeah, just this little item. Some guy killed one of the orderlies and escaped from the county hospital. You mean the loony bin? of death and you're listening to the hysteria continues and indeed you are welcome back to the hysteria continues episode 204 and this time yeah, we're off with a whistle uh, yes it's the uh, psycho flute playing beach blanket bingo star chases teenager in calipers in a forklift truck movie uh, blood song from 1982 and much insanity will ensue in a little bit but before we get on to the main feature uh, I will we'll talk a little bit about what we've been watching recently but uh, first up Eric how are you doing I'm good yeah I did enjoy the excessive flute Excessive flute, yes. Yeah. Well, it does feel like um, that <laughs> that flute has been played uh, about a million times throughout the movie. So, mm-hmm. I, I apologies if it's burnt into your into your eardrums, but uh, I'm sure it will be by the end. Of, if it's not already, it will be by the end of this show. So, uh, Nathan, do you what uh, what kind of instrument do you like playing with? <laughs> Um, that sounds like it's a double intendry. <laughs> <laughs> I've never been in band. Well, no, I was. Um, here's my funny story about band. I was in band in the seventh grade, and I played the French horn. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure you did. <laughs> How dare you? <laughs> and I was playing some like I don't know some common like song, and this girl walked in. And she was bringing a note to the teacher. And she just kind of looked at me and looked at the teacher and the teacher was like, oh, he's playing, you know, so-and-so. And And she's like, oh, is that what that was? (laughs) And so that was the end of my career in band. Children can be so hurtful. Yeah, but uh, she was right. We can. Thanks, Eric. (laughs) (laughs) Joseph, how about you? you, uh, Do you like to get your lips around an instrument of of an evening? No, but I do like to listen to a good old-fashioned blood song coming down in three-part harmony. But don't we all? Don't we all? And of course, Eric, uh, well, you, were, you were talking off air about um, tooting on a pink oboe. <clears throat> hmm. You were. You, you put words in my mouth. Well, it's not the only thing put in your mouth. But 
I've um, got nuts in my mouth at the moment. Oh, <laughs> oh, no. oh my goodness me. Oh, oh. so Penis? Hmm? Penis. No, penis? Peanuts. <laughs> penis? Oh, my goodness. Okay. <laughs> right. Before this descends into uh, even more of the hysteria continues, um, what have we been watching recently? Nathan, do you want to go first? What have you have you seen anything you'd like to tell us about? I'm very sad to admit that I don't really feel that I've seen anything new mm. of note. And I'm very saddened by that. I've just been so busy. Well, that's okay. That's okay, Nathan. So, um, well, let's move on to Joseph. I am in the same boat as Nathan. I have not watched anything new this week. I've just been so busy. Oh, my goodness. What about Eric? Surely you've watched something. Um, Not horror, no. Again, I've been busy. I watched the Lego movie, too. Right. Was that horrific? No, I thought it was really good. Okay. It's set in, it's set in space. I like space. Okay. Is this re- is this really our recently seen? <laughs> yep. Wow. wow. Okay, that's that's why people tune into the show. So, but I well, I will come to the rescue in so much that I have seen a okay, few listen, movies. Okay, listen. I did what I did watch was I had we did our, just recorded our top three from 1984, mm-hmm. and uh, I had to watch all three of those films again because I couldn't remember anything about them. So I'd, I'd watched those, but you can hear about them on our Patreon top three. And the only other film I watched was Blood Song. So I did watch some films, but we um, have discussed them all already. Okay. I guess in a way, I, I kind of watched, I, I've watched a couple of uh, video store documentaries. And I guess I'll mention that just because I, I, I love the video store. And I, I, I wish if I could, if I could time travel, it would be to go back, not to kill Hitler. It would be to go back and get all the movies that I really wish I would have at the video store. So there's that. They should make a movie about that, about you ignoring killing Hitler and going back and finding yeah. a, a copy of Night <laughs> yeah, of Horror at your local yeah, we, video we, store. We, we needed that. We needed that Holocaust. We we, I, I, we needed that Holocaust. Forget that. I, I I did. I didn't get that copy of a uh, uh, Screens for Winter Night when I should have. So I need. Uh, oh, Joseph. It's kind of it's kind of the hysteria. <laughs> very controversial. The hysteria continues. Back to the future. Um, this could be our very last episode. <laughs> I think it could be. Yes. So, okay, well, I have seen a few things. Um, I watched, actually, uh, last episode we talked about Midnight Kiss. I think it's a Hulu original on Into the Dark. Um, I think you mentioned it, Nathan, didn't you? I think it was I Nathan. did mention it. You did, yes. I watched that, mm-hmm. and I quite enjoyed it. It was good, but it was, a, it was a, you know, it was like, it was a kind of a, a gay theme slasher, I kind of guess. All of the characters were gay, apart from the, the one woman who was their friend, who um, who go away for New Year's Eve, um, a remote place, and start getting Fuck bumped hack. off. Well, you could term it that, but I wasn't going to say, say that, Eric. But anyway, Sorry. they get being bumped off by someone in a kind of gimp mask, I kind of guess. Um, and I, there were bits of it I really liked. I thought there, there was 20 minute section at the end when they were running around this big house um, being chased and uh, trying to work out who the killer was, which I thought was very effective. But much of it was, it was, it kind of seemed to forget it was a slasher or horror movie for big passages of time. And it was kind of slightly self-obsessed people talking about their ex-relationships, which it kind of just got a bit tedious. Um, was that your takeaway from it? Nathan. Yes, it was, unfortunately. Mm. Um, like, I was watching it with Wes, and at one point he was just like, he goes, I started out thinking this was going to be all right. He's like, but it really needs to go somewhere. Like, the plot needs to move. 
that is the number one fault with a lot of those into the dark films is that the plot they they typically have pretty good setups but they just go nowhere with them mm-hmm. uh, now i haven't watched the last the last few but i've heard uh there's a like a pilgrim slasher they did i can't remember what it's called but apparently it's okay but i don't know if i have the uh the will as it were to to uh you know cue it up so i don't know is that the one set in the high school with the the, the kids on detention and no that's 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 school spirit which oh, yeah. does have like a pilgrim mascot but there's also a pilgrim slasher film i think or a thanksgiving slash i could yeah, be mistaken it's just called it, pilgrim it's just called pilgrim yeah that's, i, I yeah, haven't that's seen it, it. But I've seen it advertised. Yeah. yeah. Okay. But well, Justin, hmm. there was one character in Midnight Kiss who was unbelievably annoying. Did you find this character particularly annoying? Oh, well, there was a few of them. Which one were you thinking of? The self-obsessed one. Well, they're all self-obsessed. The, yeah, the um, the friend, the one that gets killed early on. Oh, the the kind of Jeffrey Jeffrey Star or whatever his name is, like the um the uh the kind of the the beauty sort of the one who kept taking selfies of himself. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Well I thought the, the, the gore in it was fairly um extreme in some ways. And also I kinda kinda like the fact that they did the turns um there was loads of male nudity in it, wasn't there? There was all the kind of yeah. shower scenes and lots of kind of, so basically turn the tits and ass of the kind of um, 80s films on its head, which I thought was quite, you know, it, it gave it something. And I thought the last 20 minutes or so, there's a 20 minute section at the end, which I thought was really tense and well done. But uh, Did you guess the killer? I kind of did, yes. Yeah, I yeah. thought it was actually kind of obvious. Yeah. I mean, it, they threw a curveball in there at, at uh, you know, at one point because you you do actually see another character kill somebody, but it doesn't turn out to be the actual the real killer or the the person who's killed the most people. So, but um, but yeah, I saw that, and I saw coincidentally, I saw another film which I've been wanting to catch for a while, which was uh, Knife Plus Heart, uh, which is a French slasher movie, or kind of a slasher movie, and it's um. It's uh, got Vanessa Paradis in it, uh, playing this porno, gay porno maker in Paris in 1979, in the summer of 1979. And there's a killer in a gimp mask with a, looks like an Afro wig, going around bumping off uh, the gay porn uh, performers. Uh, And uh, I really liked it, but it's kind of, see, this is the kind of film that I imagine might annoy Eric in so much it's kind of quite it's very very French in so much it has it's quite mm. lyrical it's a bit if you imagine Jean Genet made a slasher movie Eric oh. um, I know so it's quite arty but it had some fairly it was some good gore in it and it was um, the uh, the um, that she did the, the a lot of the period setting pretty well and apparently it was based on the real story of there was one of the, the biggest porn filmmakers in the gay porn filmmakers in in uh, France in the late 70s was a woman so it's based on her life um, partly uh, whether or not there was murders or not I don't know but it's the only thing that kind of I, I sent uh, some photos through that kind of reminded me because if you've ever seen the British um, comedy TV show Nighty Night uh, uh, Mark Gattis who just actually recently did the BBC three BBC Dracula adaptation and he's in quite a lot of stuff like League of Gentlemen and, and did Sherlock and all sorts of things um, he plays a character called Glenn Bulb and in one scene he's in a sex shop and he's got a gimp mask on and he's got big frizzy uh, hair and uh, so I kept on looking at the killer in Knife and uh, Plus Heart and kept on thinking of Glenn Bulb, which wasn't conducive to uh, uh, a French art movie. But uh, there you go. Presumably, uh, 
I don't. I imagine none of you have seen it. No, I haven't seen this. But uh, one interesting thing about Knife Plus Heart, um, I, I I think it got its online debut on like Pornhub or RedTube because mm. um, my friend Armando, he was uh, championing the film. I think he, he may be a producer on it or something. But uh, he was talking about how they're going to debut it for its online thing on one of the porn streaming sites since it has something to do with porn. I assume, mm. but no, I haven't. I haven't seen it. But I thought that was interesting that they did that. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, it's very stylized. There's not actually any. It's not. It's not a film that crosses over into porn. There's no kind of. Uh, there's a little bit of nudity, but there's no no explicit sexual content really in it. Um, uh, ex- um, but there's quite a lot of gore um, and blood, and it turns into a bit of a one of those kind of movies, you know, like a Nancy Drew type thing, where Vanessa Paradis is trying to find out the mystery of who the killer is before he kills off all her porn uh, uh, performers. But yeah, I liked. It. It's worth a, worth a shot. It, it's a, a kind of very different take on. Um, uh, you know, a gay theme slasher, but I think still probably uh, if we're talking about gay, th- gay theme slashers, then I think 2004's Hellbent is still uh, the best one for my money. So, I haven't well, seen what, what is, you've not seen Hellbent? I was just uh, say, was, no, no, no. I was just going to say I haven't seen Hellbent since it came out, yeah, and I okay. don't really remember much about it, so I'd like to see it again. Hmm. Yeah, I just want to know what the solution to the equation: uh, heart plus knife plus heart equals what? Equals yeah. What does it equal? Death, death. I can imagine. I don't no, know. I was thinking. Yeah. I was thinking underpants. <laughs> well, it could be or a, a baguette. Or is that a, is yeah. that your uh, is that your pantaloon joke of the week? Yep, it's my surreal joke of the week. Surreal joke Ooh. of the week. Let's find something surreal. How about? There you go. That's very French. Imagine you <laughs> driving down the street with a, a string of onions around your neck. So, okay, well, that was that. And the other film uh, that I did um, spent quite a lot of time with in the last week was a film I just reviewed for Hysteria Lives, which is Murder Rock, Dancing Death, which is... Um, Paranoia is <laughs> coming your way. <laughs> yeah. Which is Lucio, Lucia Fulci's uh, 1984 uh, slash dance, which apparently was an AKA for this film, although I never actually found any proof that that was ever released under that title. But it's... Um, Apparently, Flashdance was the uh, uh, the top film at the Italian box office in 1983, which definitely influenced uh, um, uh, Murder Rock, uh, which is the story of uh, a bunch of students being or female students being bumped off at a dance school in New York City ahead of a competition or during competition for places on a TV special. Um, bizarrely i think it was one of the films i had seen quite a few years ago and i remember not liking it partly because when you think of lucia fulci you think of say severed you know basically um eyeballs being gouged out by splinters vomiting up intestines little girls heads being blown off with shock with uh, guns and things like that and this is completely the opposite in so much the violence is and the killer uses an ornamental hat pin to kill uh his prey in this after chloroforming the um his victims and you literally have a trickle of blood and that's the only gore in the whole movie so very um very anti kind of what he was doing before but apparently he said at the time he thought the the um the age of the hyper violent gory movie was over and i think of obviously new york ripper was his uh from a couple of years before was probably the height of his goriness um so it's i it's a fun movie but it's not it's not a great movie it's not a great uh it's it's very muddled and it's got very huge plot holes uh doesn't make a huge amount of sense um 
I don't think I don't think it was him firing firing on all cylinders uh, particularly. I think he was a little bit out of his comfort zone. But if you are a fan of Lego Warmers and uh, Jazz Hands, then uh, then it might be worth a look. So, presumably, you guys have uh, watched Murder Rock at some point. Yes, and yes. I, I I love Murder Rock. I think it's a lot of fun. It's one of my favorite uh, Fulci films, probably for the reasons that he he kind of sidesteps doing everything that he always does, and he does something completely different, and that's why it works. Mm-hmm. Okay, interesting. What about you, Nathan? Are you a Murder Rock fan? Yes, I really enjoy Murder Rock, and I love the dance number with Are the Streets to Blame, the Paranoia is Coming Your Way song that Eric I was love singing. that song. Yeah. That song and that scene in that movie is fantastic. Do you like it when he makes them dance like horses? Or she does, Olga Carletos, who uh, plays the, uh, the, the, uh, the dance instructor with a shadowy past. She could, I don't remember that. Don't you remember? Yeah, it's the, the bit when she says, even if your friend is dead, you still have to pay in sweat, being like Debbie Allen from Fame. And then oh, saying, yeah. and then she says, and she makes them all dance, and they've all got their hands up, and they're doing like trotting, like horses. <laughs> After he watches yeah. interpretive dance, interpretive dance. And of course, it's got lovely Ray Lovelock in it as, um, as the, uh, the red herring. Um, but uh, yeah, it's it's it looks good, but it's um, and it's a film that um, when I was doing my research for it, it didn't come out because it's made in eighty four, uh, well the tail end of eighty three into eighty four, and didn't come out into the states until nineteen ninety under the title "The Demon Is Loose" with um, with the the poster is of a woman on a kind of on an X, kind of like a cross, but like an X shaped cross with the, this kind of demon's face hovering over, which is nothing to do with the movie whatsoever. Uh, so it must have been um, royally pissed off. I don't anyone. think I've ever seen that release anywhere. I've never heard of that release. Well, it didn't um, get a voice. Yeah. I've always just seen it under Murder Rock. It so. never got. Oh, a, no. it, it only got cinema release in 1990 under that title. It didn't never got a VHS release in the states. It um, must have looked awfully uh, antiquated by 1990. Well, yeah. I, I mean, thought. it's it's funny. Well, actually, with the film we're talking about today, Blood Song has got a very uh, uh, convoluted release. Um, sort of history i kind of guess and uh with this this movie as well was uh and we're talking about on the top three 1984 we're talking about superstition which was made in 1980 and wasn't released until 1985 to american screens five years after it was made so um but yes it must have looked because i said in the review that lucia fulci was had made the film where the producers really wanted to ape the success of flash dance and the film was released to italian screens in 1984 um, but by 1990, when you're talking about we Papa Gulp rappers, I can guess, and Salt and Pepper and <laughs> all of that going on, and then you've got people uh, dancing like horses in leg warmers, it's it's mm. bizarre, isn't it? Um, and it is. also trying to sell it as a, as a, some kind of zombie, uh, not zombie movie, possession movie. And I think I saw it was it was released on double bills um, along with The Exorcist Three. So I'm wondering if they were maybe in 1990 there was a bit of a vogue of those kind of satanic kind of possession demon type movies, perhaps like Jacob's Ladder, all those kind of films coming around. Maybe not quite at that time. In their defense, though, Justin, in 1990, I was still wearing leg warmers and dancing like a horse. (laughs) Well, not so, yes. But you were talking about your breakdancing past on the uh, Patreon. I was. I was a breakdancer back in 1984, though, not 1990. So you you were very, is it fair to say you were quite fickle? Eric, I probably was. So you, yes, you kind of threw away your, your you know, your Farrah Fawcett flick and your leg warmers um, in yeah. 1984, and then you then you were dressed like um, I don't know, sort of uh, vanilla ice in 1990. 
Yes. So what were you dressed like in 95? In 95, I was all about the Britpop, so I was dressed like Damon Albrand. Albrand. I would have figured you'd been dressed like Chandler or something from Friends. Yeah, I had a Rachel. be any more 90s? (laughs) (laughs) So, so, um, well, anyway, uh, that was uh, Murder Rock. So, yeah, if you want to check out uh, the review, I do like a semi-deep dive on that uh, film and I've got a few other uh, I'm going to do another deep dive on a 1980 slash movie which I've never covered on Hysteria Lives and I'm, uh, I did make a slight boo-boo on the fact that actually uh, Bengt Wallman who uh, had reviewed the film on Hysteria Lives uh, Murder Rock back in 2004 and I'd, I'd forgotten so there's two reviews on the site but uh, but I will be reviewing a film that um, I've never reviewed on Hysteria Lives um, from the early 80s a slash movie so and do a, a a deep dive on that soon hopefully so anyway enough of the uh, rabid grannies no no it's a no. film that actually uh, it's a film um well actually do you i'll tell you what the film is i'm going to do a deep dive on fades of black oh, okay so yeah. uh, do you do consider- you want to leave that in the show or do you want me to edit it out no it's, it's fine to leave in the show it's just a little um heads up but i uh, do you do, i haven't seen it for years but i remember being a bit not disappointed by it, but thinking, well, is this really a slasher movie? Because it was Erwin Yablin's and it was it was kind of his follow-up to Halloween or one of the follow-ups to Halloween, and I thought it was going to be more of a slasher. Would you consider Fate of Black as a slasher movie? Yeah, yeah but I, but I, 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 I do. Hmm. That's what mm, I do as I well. I just, a disappointing one, though, from what I recall. No, I love that film. I think it's great. Well, that's what I want. It's, more of, a, hmm. it's more of a character drama, sort of, but it's very slasher-heavy. I think, but well, it's it's a good film. I, I like it. Yeah, well, that's why I'm kind of keen to go back and look at it because I haven't, I haven't seen it for for years, and I, I think I've uh, you know I've finally got a, a decent copy of it. Um, and obviously, Erwin Ablins went back to he kind of went back more to the formula with Hell Knight the following year. So uh, you know, so it's kind of slasher. You know, going for like a more of a typical slasher, I kind of guess. So anyway, yes, I'll be. I shall be looking at that at some point. So enough about me. Let's talk about my choice for this time, and that is Blood Song. So here is the trailer for our movie of the week. I told you this place was giving me nightmares. I keep seeing some lunatic killing people. I'm scared. You're crazy. Don't say that. Multiple fractures left leg, severe concussion. Blood type O positive. That's rough to come by. Do we have a sufficient supply? Yes, doctor. Do you think I did it on purpose? If you hadn't been so drunk and run into that car, I wouldn't be a cripple now, would I? The donor is a patient at the state mental hospital. Some guy killed one of the orders in the state hospital. You mean the loony bit? That's in Corvallis County, right? Out of our jurisdiction, right? Hey, where you headed? San Francisco. Jesus Christ. Same thing for over an hour. Don't you know anything else? I told you my daddy made this for me just before he died. You're just like all the rest. They tried to take it away from me too, but I got it back. Hi. Hi. Where are you headed? Stanford Bay. You going that far? Well, I guess I can get you there. Hop in. Something. 
psychopath escapes from a mental institution and starts a murder spree, which ends in the pursuing of a young handicapped girl who once got a blood transfusion from him. So that sounds fairly, um, well, sounds fairly bonkers, but not as bonkers as the actual film uh, we're talking about today, which is Blood Song from 1982, or is it from 82? Uh, oh, that is open for discussion. It was actually filmed in 1980, um, tail end of 1980. Uh, and the 1982 release date, we'll get onto that a little bit later. But uh, uh, yeah, it's a, this is a completely crazy movie. I think it's probably one of the strangest, oddest slasher movies of the early 1980s, which borrows very, very heavily from John Carpenter's Halloween um, via, I kind of guess, the eyes of Laura Mars, perhaps, uh, and it's it's essentially what you have is that the 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 crux of the story it starts with a kind of prologue uh, similar to the one you get in something like Christmas Evil, where a man comes home and finds his wife in bed with another uh, another man, and shoots them both dead, and then shoots himself in the head, uh, and then it cuts across to a young boy who who for some reason processes all this and uh, reacts to this by tooting out a little tune on his on his whistle on his flute uh so the flute playing psycho is born uh and so you cut forward to the present day where you have donna wilkes who is a uh, a teenager who has been crippled by her alcoholic father in a car crash and she's just re- recovering from the um her injuries but um she keeps on getting psychic flashes uh and that she sees through the eyes of a killer played by Frankie Avalon, um, who uh, escapes um, from uh, an asylum um, after annoying an orderly by playing his uh, his uh, flute inside the the loony bin, and he escapes. And then, for some reason, we're never quite sure why they they develop this kind of psychic link because uh, she got blood uh, transfusion from him. Um, and uh, some reason she's developed this psychic link, and so she can see through his eyes, and uh, witnesses his murders. So there's lots of scenes, certainly on the first part of the movie, where uh, Donna Wilkes kind of stares boss-eyed at the camera, and then you get that very '80s kind of uh, pop video style, early '80s pop video. Everything goes polarized, and uh, uh, and it kind of zooms in on her eye, and then you see. Uh, the atrocities of Frankie Avalon as he travels across country, bumping off people who kindly let him hitchhike and all all kind of various things on the way to Stanford Bay where where she lives with her alcoholic father and her very sympathetic mother. And um, so it's, it, it, I don't know how to quite describe uh, Blood Song. It's, it's played very, very much straight. It's not played for laughs. But you have Frankie Avalon, who's, I kind of guess the idea they were going for with him is that he never grew up from being this little boy, this little flute playing boy. So you've got him, um, he kind of plays this kind of childlike psycho, everything. He's he's almost like this little boy who's going around um, hatching to death people. And of course, Frankie Avalon was, um, uh, for people growing up in the 1950s and early 1960s especially, was uh, was this kind of teen heartthrob idol who made all the kind of beach party movies um, uh, like Beach, uh, Beach Blanket Bingo and films like that, which became very out of favour in the towards the late 60s when it kind of became the counter counterculture and he kind of reinvented himself um 
in some ways he, he was in Haunted House of Horror where he gets a scimitar to the crotch uh, which is kind of a very entertaining British protest slasher uh, and of course he went on to be in Greece um, uh, for kind of a quite um, sort of prominent cameo in that and then went on to Blood Song. Uh, we'll talk about how he got involved with that. But he's very playing very much against type. Uh, but uh, the film ends in something which has to be seen to be believed, which is um, uh, Frankie Avalon driving around a warehouse at a sawmill in a forklift truck, chasing um, Donna Wilkes's character, shouting, I really just want to be your friend, Marianne, and I really like you, Marianne. Uh, it's it's just absolutely bonkers um, and also ends on a slightly more cynical note. Um, but I've got plenty more to say about this, but uh, I hadn't seen it for, for donkey's years, actually. So again, it's one of those films that just kind of came back to me in a flash, a little flute-playing toot. Um, it Suddenly I remembered it and I thought it would be interesting to come back and watch it. And I actually really, really enjoyed it. I thought it was... It, it's it's so crazy uh, um uh, it's it's just a lot of fun it's it's kind of one of a kind really even though it's ripping off so many different films as well um so uh first of all uh eric uh, what did you think of mm. blood song yeah i think for me blood song it's a, a decent movie having the killer front and center unmasked and talking sort of stops the film from being in any way eerie or mysterious um but fortunately this film has lots lots of other things in its favor firstly as he said donna wilkes um who hasn't aged at all since 1977 when she made jaws 2 um when she was the hysterical jackie Uh, so for that reason alone the fact that she hasn't aged tell this film was made before 1982 because she's uh, you know she's sporting the same pudding bowl haircut as well as she did in that movie um secondly you have frankie avalon as his gimmick is that he can't stop playing with his flute which uh, for once is not me making smutty innuendo <laughs> um i can actually say it and mean it this time um you know I, that that's you know when we see the characters at the start of the child and the way he reacts to seeing his father being murdered by the way her um uh, his mother's lover looked quite tasty in the brief glimpse we get of him he has a beard and a hairy chest and uh, I would like to have seen his character given more development or, rather than just lying dead in the bed for t- 3 seconds um yeah the, the way he reacts to seeing his parents being killed by just sort of staring into space and playing the flute is, is kind of hilarious to be honest um i really like saying the phrase playing with his flute because um this may surprise you guys but i'm actually quite childish um, <laughs> no so. yes really although uh, you've kept uh, that hidden for the last I 10 refuse. years <laughs> i refuse to believe that eric Oh, thank you. I know I have this veneer of sophistication. But underneath it all, I'm quite childish. Um, although we had this discussion on the, the um, on Messenger yesterday, is it a flute? It looks more like it could be a, a recorder. Because don't you play a flute sort of sideways? Where's well, that's a clarinet, isn't it? Clarinet, you play sideways. No, but I think this flute. is a flute. I would think no. this is a recorder, isn't it? It, it could looks be, like a recorder yeah. to me. Yeah. yeah, let's not fall out over it anyway. Um, there was one thing I observed which I thought was hilarious. Marion offers to finish setting the table, which involves her placing one fork, one knife, and one spoon beside a plate, and that's her work done. Like, that's <laughs> my kind of helping out. Um, the father character I thought was over-the-top horrible, considering he's the one responsible for poor Marion's predicament that... Um, 
I'm surprised if they put up with him. I'm uh, surely they kick him out of the house. It's grounds for divorce the way he he treats you know his wife and his daughter. And I like the 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 idea that it's almost a science fiction idea about how Marion gets her psychic the killer you know via blood blood transfusion, which um, always reminds me of that wonderful Simpsons episode where Homer gets the hair transplant and starts developing traits of the serial killer. Uh, I love that episode. Um, and then you know her, of course her psychic powers mean she now has to listen to that in her head all the time I can only think of one thing worse Susie and the Banshees oh <laughs> I'm so clever um, uh, can you edit yes. that bit out please Joseph no <laughs> um, I, and as you said I love the fact that the killer, the killer's victims are all kind of driven mad before they get murdered by his incessant flute playing uh, and he seems to specialise in just playing the one melody again I, I'm not sure what it's called but it's, it's kind of has a lullaby quality to it Um you know, it, and I think I thought you captured it quite brilliantly in the in the opening montage. Um, so overall, I think I think it does drag in places. Um, you know, there's that long scene where Donna Wilkes is walking along the beach to that sort of sappy ballad that plays in the background that seems to go on forever. Uh, although I do I do love the fact that she just sort of stumbles casually across the killer um, bed, burying a body, um, just as she's finishing her little walk along the coast. Um, I'm wondering if there's meant to be she's meant to be psychically guided to the the spot or not. I'm not sure. It's never really made clear. Um, I I like the the quirks of the killer and I like the nihilistic uh, a twist ending that um, is quite downbeat, I suppose. But uh, yeah, I find the rewatchability of these maskless slasher movies to be limited for me. Um, but I did enjoy it. Cool. Okay. Thank you, uh, Eric. Uh, Joseph, how about you? What a bad, bad, <laughs> bad desperately bad movie this and i loved every single second of it thank you for picking this justin to start um why does marion have a brace and later a cane if only seconds after she witnesses the killer disposing of a corpse she runs away just fine on her own i mean it's not like the 20 minute setup lingering over her handicap with a you know, her arguing with her father, like, well, you're the one who did this to me. It's not like they used this as a setup either. I mean, from what I can absolutely recall, her leg problems just kind of vanish and they never really come back into play. Um, maybe I blinked and I missed her tripping or something. I don't know. But, uh, my guess is it's because they needed to pad the running time, but they didn't stop to think how they could really exploit that properly. Um, but that may be my one minor nag with this film because the rest of Blood Song is just the right shade of, you know, of delirious that I adore in my movies. First off, why Frankie Avalon? I mean, the the killer flautist could be, could have been played by anyone. Really? So was this just stunt casting? Um, I mean, no matter really. I mean, Frankie's in fine form here as this kind of childlike flute playing, giggling psycho. Though, you know, like 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 Eric asked, is that really a flute or is it a recorder? I don't know. Uh, but I love the whole psychic link via the blood transfusion angle. I mean, never mind the fact that it's straight up juju. I mean, why out of 7 billion people on earth would they get blood from the local flute playing psycho? I mean, was this like a blood type issue that only he had? They, and I, they I, do. They do mention that in the film, don't they? That it's a very rare blood type or something. Okay. I think, okay. I, think, I must, I, I must yeah. have missed that, but, um, but surely it raises, still out of all the people, yeah. sorry, <laughs> still but, out of all the people in the world, surely someone else would have had her blood type. 
Well, imagine also, don't you think it raises ethical issues about taking blood from people in mental asylums? Yes. Yeah, <laughs> no kidding. I mean, the film, the film can seem, the film seems way too concerned with like, you know, like Eric said, with, the, with a lot of melodrama with her father and in that scene where she's walking on the beach. And it, it seems so concerned with this kind of melodrama for so long that you're actually quite startled when the film turns into this pretty effective thriller in the last act. I mean, it's it's dumb. Um, I mean, Marion is chased by the killer in the, into this sawmill that seems to be operating on its own. I mean, unless the Night Watchman was making bookshelves on the company's dime or something. I don't know. But it's the ending um, that gets the biggest, oh, come on, from me. I mean, uh, so spoilers ahead, of course, but uh, Marion initially escapes from the killer, uh, believing to have killed him at the sawmill, uh, when in fact the killer has vanished. So uh, what happens? Marion gets locked away in an insane asylum, blamed for the killings. I mean, this is the absolute worst case of cinematic police work I've ever seen. First of all, uh, two, maybe even three cops saw that Marion's dad uh, had earlier put up a vicious struggle with the killer, and it would obviously indicate that whoever killed him uh, had to overshare, over, overshadow Marion uh, physically. So, um, and later, not only do Marion's defensive wounds not match up with her father's defense against the uh, the killer, but the police proceed to engage in the biggest argument from ignorance I've ever seen. It's like, quote unquote, well, we couldn't find a body, so that means you did it, Marion. Who else could it be? And if that's not bad enough, the whole time I'm thinking, where's her mother? Where's her boyfriend? And the skipper, too. I mean, you're going to focus all this time on this boat skipper who has nothing to do with the film. At least let him come in and say, hey, Marion's not crazy. She didn't kill anyone. I mean, they just kind of forget about her. And I love in, in movies where there's there's no investigation, there's no indictments, no trials, nothing but hardcore, swift, brutal, and nonsensical judgment cast down on poor Marion. So that ending, it, it works, but it works in like a, oh, come on kind of way. Uh, Blood Song, boy, what a movie, Justin. I'm, I'm really glad you picked this one. Um, I hadn't seen it for a long time, so I didn't really remember. And I went in thinking I was going to get some sort of erotic thriller. Uh, I don't know why, but boy, that's not what I got. Um, I really enjoy Blood Song. Great pick. Ah, well, thank you. I, just just a, a quick aside about the police work, because then they sort of say, don't they, uh, when they're, they're, the sheriff is asking his deputies, well, what's been going on? They're going, well, there were two dogs fornicating on the high, uh, on the street. Um, and he said, anything else? Oh, yeah, somebody escaped from the insane asylum and murdered somebody. And as if <laughs> yeah. it was just like... And, and, and he, he says something like Frank put up uh, one hell of a struggle. Like, like he knows that obviously Marion didn't do this. I mean... God, come on. It's just so ridiculous. I love it. Yeah. What? A, okay. Thank you. Um, uh, Nathan, what about you? I felt really bad for the motorist, you know, because he was <laughs> nice enough to pick up the hitchhiker and he had to listen to him play that same song for over an hour. And you think that, you know, I mean, he thinks to himself, this is about as worse as it could get. And then he gets a hatchet, you know, for his trouble. Oh, because he just dared to, you know, criticize his singing or his uh, flute playing. I mean, Come on. The uh, final chase scene, I think, is awesome in the lumberyard area. I think it's fantastic. It's maybe one of the only slasher movies I've seen where the killer menaces the final girl with a forklift. Mm. <laughs> but I loved the I mean, I love Donna Wilkes anyway. I loved her in Angel and Jaws 2. I thought she was great in this one. And um, I thought Frankie Avalon actually was uh, good as the killer, honestly. It's funny because Justin's review for this, the first two words are, oh my. <laughs> 
Um, and I thought that was a pretty accurate description for what's to follow, but it's a funny movie. Um, you know, maybe unintentionally funny at times. Uh, like Joseph, I thought the ending was so unbelievably ludicrous. And you guys know, normally I prefer happy endings and, um, this one, it doesn't really have one, but it's just so unbelievably ridiculous that I couldn't even dislike it. So I really enjoy Blood Song. I think it's fantastic. And that song that Joe quoted in the beginning, like coming down in three-part harmony, every time I hear the title Blood Song, I think of that. <laughs> well, it's it's just um, so, so crazy. I mean, some of the other bits that uh, sort of I, t- I took away from it, which I thought was, uh, it can remind me, uh, one of the films we talked about in our top three of 1984 was Scream for Help. And it, it had a, not quite like it, but it seemed to preempt Scream for Help, especially the scene where Donna Wilkes, um, throws herself out of the way uh with her leg braces on onto the uh the side of the road when this imaginary van sort of uh, hurtles towards her which kind of re- <laughs> <laughs> reminds me I left at that part for an hour <laughs> but um but i love the the uh the nods to halloween because she's even like walking down the street and before that scene when she throws herself out of the way in of this uh, imaginary van she's holding her school books to a chest and walking down uh, basically Haddonfield Avenue um, and not not only has one but has two scenes of her sitting in class and seeing the killer one of them out the window in the van um, opposite which is a, a direct lift from Halloween and Laurie Strode in the classroom and the other one was her having a psychic vision of the killer while she <laughs> sat in the classroom um, you could you could almost do a drinking game with this movie. Every time it zooms into her eye, you take a <laughs> shot and you'd be dead by the end of the film. <laughs> no, no. Um I loved I loved the um uh the scene um uh with the uh uh where is it with the scene when um uh she finds the body uh, she finds um frankie avalon burying the uh the the body and then she goes running and she bumps into those those three boys who have been out hunting and uh one of them which is obviously a local actor well i say actor in inverted commas but he looks like a cross between one of the <laughs> one of well, one of the children from the village of the damned and jeffrey Dahmer. And yep. um, she kind of, <laughs> with this kind of like white albino bowl cut. Uh, like, so, I don't remember beating them to death, but I must have. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, it's just kind of, it's so crazy. And then there's, um, they kind of shoehorn some explicit, in inverted commas, where it's fairly explicit gore. The, when the um, the guy who's been uh, picked someone's hitchhiker gets hit in the face with a hatchet, uh, you do see the hatchet embedded in his face. And also that the other hitchhiker, the woman he picks up, when they find her body it's kind of a bit reminiscent of that that's still from nightmares in a damaged brain where the 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 severed heads on the on the on the bed with all the the blood and guts around it and it's a very similar shot um when the police find this kind of like rather rubber looking head uh surrounded by loads of um, severed limbs and guts so it's it, it's it's an odd movie um it's going to be interesting to talk about the its genesis and kind of how it all came came to be but uh it's um yeah it's 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 just very very curious i kind of 
I couldn't quite get my head around what they were going for with this. So obviously, um, it also, one thing, it, I mean, it rips off Halloween, but obviously it kind of preempts Nightmare on Elm Street in some ways, isn't it? And those kind of psychic mm. link um, horror films, and uh, which became very kind of prevalent in the, in the 1980s. Um, Especially the mid-80s, like Bloodlink, yeah. and yeah. Um, there was another one, The well, Psychic. There yeah. was a couple, couple of The Psychic films, actually, that did that with that same title. But yeah, yeah and that was very prevalent in mid eighties. Yeah, and there's another film got the the Italian Jello, nothing underneath about the um, mm. person killing the models has got that that's kind of psych- exactly borrows that almost in in its entirety. So, so it kind of preempts. And of course, that. in the seventies, mm. you had the, the you, you mentioned the eyes of Laura Mars, which yeah. I'm sure this film probably borrowed something from. Yeah, yeah no, absolutely. So uh, yeah, it's got it. It's it's got it all really. I mean, it's it's quite why the the father figure was such a jerk, and there was. Uh, he was almost like this along the lines of the the father in Midnight, uh, John Russo's Midnight, who was kind of really um, unpleasant. It just seemed like those early '80s films. They kind of wanted to go, even though they were going for real popcorn and real kind of sort of slight trashy aesthetic. They still wanted that kind of slight kitchen sink sort of drama and sort of sleazy edge to uh, proceedings. But uh, yeah, yeah. Um, the dad character. I mean, he's really just kind of perfunctory. He's there just to be a jerk and then die. Mm. Um, one thing about this film is like I appreciate the quickness. I mean, it's a very quick film. I mean, it goes by. There's never a boring moment. However, you know, like I was saying, I missed the the part about the uh, the blood type. So I think maybe the the movie, if it has a fault, it, it maybe moves a little too quick. And some of the stuff like the blood type or uh, you know the the important things that have to do with the plot kind of get overshadowed maybe a little. Yeah, yeah. It's um. Well, it's 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 uh it's a it's a like a bit of a what's what not cure its egg but it's a it's a kind of very it's a quite how to describe it really there's not really another slash movie in the early 80s canon quite like blood song is there yeah it's kind of fractured but but a good fractured i guess i don't know yeah well let's uh let's move on to some background uh on it uh who's who's got some i mean i've got quite a lot oh, of stuff but um, i do mm. too i have quite a lot mm. Okay, well, do you want to go first to see what we... Sure. Yeah. Uh, um, Okay, so this is filmed under the working title Premonitions, and we're going to talk about Premonitions quite a lot coming up. So um, apparently it had a $1.2 million budget. Um, It's also known as the Dream Dream Slayer, um, though that may be just a UK title, because I don't recall ever seeing the film here under the title of Dream Slayer. Do you remember, Nathan? I remember having a copy of it under Dream Slayer. Okay, yeah, I've never seen that copy anywhere, but um, like Justin said, it was filmed in the fall of 1980 in Coos Bay, Coquille, and North Bend, Oregon. Um, its release date on the IMDb says October 1st of 1982, though I personally could find no evidence of this um, ever getting a cinema release here in the States. I'm guessing, if anything, I mean, I do have some newspaper articles which will shed a little more light on this, but I'm guessing, if anything, it might have had a small regional run, but... But again, um, no evidence of that either. I have plenty of evidence that it just went straight to video, and I will get to that. Um, Director uh, Alan J. Levi has a very extensive career in television, and that seems to be where he got his start, too. I mean, he stopped after about 10 years of doing television just to make Blood Song, which, uh, aside from a stray made-for-TV film here and there, was his only real film credit. Um, uh, When BCI Eclipse attained the rights to release Blood Song on DVD, they could not find the original elements or prints to transfer. This means the original elements and prints either no longer exist or are temporarily lost 
BCI was then forced to use a video source to transfer instead. And it is a rather poor transfer if you've seen. I think there's um, there's like several different copies on YouTube, and that one's not much different from the VHS copy. Speaking of those uh, newspaper clippings, I have a couple here from uh, the the World newspaper. It's a small paper in Coos Bay, Oregon. Now, this, um, this, uh, this first one, I... Well, this is a smaller one. I believe it was October or November of 1980 when they wrote this. It says, local film available. Uh, actually, no, this is 1983. Uh, this is from the World uh, Coos Bay newspaper. This is from 1983. It says, local film available. Blood Song, a movie starring Frankie Avalon, which was filmed in Coos Bay and North Bend in 1980, is available for rent on video cassette at Newell's Incorporated, Coos Bay. The film apparently never made it into theaters. We've had it. Um, we've had it here for two weeks, and it's never here," said Bruce uh, Monsieur, manager of Newell's, uh, explaining the popularity of the cassette locally. Filming sites included Coos Head Timber Company, Sunset Beach, the Pony Village Mall parking lot, Gino's Pizza, and the Charleston Small Boat Basin. Originally, the movie was to have been called Premonitions. Uh, local actors and actresses participating in the film included Candace Dickey, Bob. Diedrich and Kit Lewis. And I have another clip here. It's a little bit longer, but I'm going to read it anyway. It says, um, this one's from 1980, and I'm assuming this is before production went underway. It says, Avalon leads list of stars due for premonitions. Um, it says, just in time for Halloween, the Bay Area is being transformed into the backdrop for a feature-length, high-quality horror movie. Yeah, right. Uh, <laughs> Mountain High Productions has completed arrangements to start filming Monday for the movie The Premonitions, starring Frankie Avalon, Richard Jacks, uh, Richard Jekyll, Dane Clark, and Lenny Montana. No mention of, uh, uh, what's her name? Donna Wilson. A half dozen technical people are in the Bay Area this week, and a total crew of 45 to 50 people will be in the area at the peak of filming, according to John Kimball, a member of the production company. In fact, it was Kimball, a former Bay Area and uh, Bandon resident, who convinced the producers that Coos Bay would be the perfect setting for the premonitions. You couldn't have any place else as beautiful, Kimball told the World Tuesday. We need some inclement weather, the fog and some rain, but we need some, we need good weather as well. The filming will take advantage of several Bay Area locations, including North Bend High School, St. Catherine's Nursing Home, the Charleston Boat Basin, and the Cooshead Timber Company Mill at Bunker uh, Hill. That's the big sawmill finale. Um, everyone concerned is extremely appreciative of the cooperation and help. Uh, local businesses and local people are giving us, Kimball said. They are cooperative with good reason. The film has a budget of $1.2 million. We will spend the bulk of that right here in uh, in salaries and services, he predicted. This is going to boost the economy considerably. And will local folks be included in the cast? All the major casting is done, Kimball reported. There will be some local people used. The arrangements are being worked out now. We will be getting word out as to how that will be done. In other words, don't call Mountain High, they'll call you. The movie is based on a short story by Joseph Schink and has been adapted for the screen by Schink and co-producers Frank Avianca and Lenny Montana. The production manager will be Russ Vreeland, the director's Alan Levi. Kimball said Mountain High hopes to have the location uh, location filming in the Bay Area completed in 22 days. If the film proceeds on schedule, it will be released worldwide next spring. Kimball is Mountain High's financial consultant and is helping with the location production. According to Warren Merrill, the movie production coordinator for the Oregon Department of Economic Development, The Premonitions is one of two feature films being produced in Oregon this fall. 
The second is a volcano-oriented story being filmed on Mount Hood near Portland. And I wonder what that is, uh, could have been, because I know you are a big uh, disaster movie fan, Justin, but they could just go on to say, Jacob, Merrill pointed out, was involved in the filming of Sometimes a Great Notion on the Oregon coast several years ago. The last production in the Bay Area was turned into a television miniseries called The Contender, shown last spring on a major network. And that's all the background I seem to have on Blood Song. Okay, well, thank you. I know Just Before Dawn was filmed around there at that time as well, because that's filmed in Oregon. Uh, and I saw some newspaper article was referring to uh, the Premonitions, aka Blood Song, and also Just Before Dawn, saying I think it filmed before uh, before Blood Song. But uh, before I get onto any other background, um, er- uh, Nathan, do you have anything for us? No. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Eric, how about you? Just a few things to add to that. Uh, Donna Wilkes, um, she was also in Schizoid and, and she was in Grotesque with uh, Linda Blair in 1988. Uh, she retired temporarily, I suppose, from acting in 1991, but she has reemerged in recent years. She's had roles in films, uh, titles like My Stepbrother is a Vampire and 90210 Shark Attack, which uh, I'm guessing is a sci fi movie. Uh, I'm guessing that's a Nathan, a Nathan uh-huh. movie. Sounds yeah. like. Yeah, sci-fi channel movie, definitely. Uh, Donna Wilkes, I found an interview with her on uh, the YouTube, as they call it. Um, she says that this was a mafia-backed movie. Ooh. Um, now, this got a pre-cert release on the Ivor Film Services label in the UK, and it's, from what I found, that's dated as August 1982 it was released. Uh, now, it has a very generic cover of a sinister-looking Frankie Avalon draped in shadow. Um, the tagline is, the music of death haunted her life and drove her to madness. Um Pre-released on video in the UK in 1986 as Dream Slayer. Um, and no doubt that was a shameless attempt, I would imagine, to cash in on the success of uh, Nightmare on Elm Street. And it had, it had artwork for that VHS cover that was slightly evocative of Graham Humphrey's design for the UK poster for first Nightmare on Elm Street. So, you know, I'm guessing that's this is why it was retitled. Um, other artwork... Um, under that title, Dream Slayer has a woman cowering as a large knife cuts through a white background. And uh, this one has the tagline, only she could hear the haunting melody from beyond the grave. I don't think the, the melody is from beyond the grave, really. That's, no, that's uh, very misleading. But, it uh, is. Yeah, I like it's not haunting line, either, is it? The melody. There's Sorry? no melody. It's not really a melody or haunting. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, that's true. <laughs> the only other thing I have now that Justin you discovered this I have to give you credit for that there's a German VHS which has the most laughable cover because it has this big muscle Mary barbarian type wielding a chain and an axe and his bountiful muscles are bursting forth through his shirt and what the hell that has to do with Bloodsong <laughs> I have no idea it makes it look like kind of um, as I said maybe like one of those barbarian movies that were prominent in the 80s like Beastmaster and Conan and those. it's just the most it's the strangest um, decision to, to put that as the cover art because it doesn't sell the movie at all yeah very strange mm. very german um i've got a few other bits i'll try not to repeat what you said uh joseph i might kind of uh, overlap a little bit but um uh as you mentioned it was filmed in october through november of 1980 uh and shot in 21 days as production office was set up in the thunderbird motor in uh and um i think you also mentioned that they were um the local breaths were crowing because apparently it was quite a depressed time in the local economy so they were looking forward to money being brought in um apparently they built a 40-foot self-contained shooting unit uh locally uh and the uh, as you mentioned it was shot um they were they shot some of the film in a nursing home and that was i think was uh doubling as the asylum at Lunibin was the nursing home um 
And as you mentioned, uh, Levi originally wanted the film uh, released in April uh, of 1981, uh, which which didn't happen. They actually um, we talked about the skipper, the guy who played skipper, was a guy called Lenny Montana, who most was most famous for being in uh, Francis Ford Coppola's The Godfather in 1972, and he was a character who sleeps with the fishes. So it's also funny that you mentioned about the mafia money allegedly being behind the movie. So even if it didn't have real See, mafia wonder, connections, it was... I wonder how much... Sorry, I wonder how much of the money that they spent went into the Oregon economy because, uh, I mean, I don't imagine they spent all of the $1.2 million there. I mean, I don't know. It's... Well, it's kind of... it's. I mean, we'll talk about... I mean, get into some of the uh, the release schedule because if you remember, in, actually in the film, it says, um, when it cuts from the 1955 or whenever it was, it actually says uh, 1982 was an on-screen title doesn't it so uh so that was dropped in either either later or they um uh so i think that's where the 1982 uh release date comes from because it was released first to uk uh, to video in the uk in 1982 um but uh what else i forgot here it says um apparently one of the crew said um it's nice for our city folk to come to a place like this and find people really look you in the eye and smile hello so and then hit you in the face of a hatchet, uh, presumably. Um, Av- Avalon uh, recalled because he sort of said he was um, a bit surprised to be asked to play this. Uh, he said that Jimmy Fargo, who was a director who did every uh, every which way but loose with Clint Eastwood, um, asked him to do premonitions, uh, and he's quoted as saying, "I read the script." And asked, why do you want me to play a killer, a guy who's a slasher, who kills seven people, who's a psycho, who's a nut? I'm a beach party guy. I play light comedy. Um, and apparently Jimmy Fargo saw, he said he saw him on Fantasy Island. Uh, and he said he believed it was more terrifying and horrific and frightening to see someone who doesn't appear to be a killer to be a killer. Uh, which Avalon thought was interesting. Uh, and apparently they wanted him so much that actually delayed production to get him on board. Um, there's a, um, sorry, there's another newspaper article. I didn't grab it cause it was kind of long winded, but he, he, they interviewed Frankie Avalon and he says, um, as to why I'm playing a bad guy, I, because I want to see if I can. And that was his quote. It's, it was also on the world from uh, Coos Bay. Yeah, well, I think he was he was sort of saying that he he was quite liked um, playing against type, and also he's as I said before, with a lot of the uh, the people who became very popular in those beach party movies in the in the 60, early sixties, and they had to it's almost like a not quite, but like the talkies in the twenties, where people had to adapt from the silent era to the the, the kind of talking pictures. Um, a lot of the the people were very popular in the early sixties when the nineteen sixties kind of switched over in the mid sixties to more the kind of counter culture uh they very much fell out of favor so frankie avalon was one of those ones who actually was looking to diversify so i think he was quite keen to play it another one was uh, do you remember i i found that um that slash movie the canon slash movie never got made uh again in 1981 lover's lane which had wayne newton in it who was like this big um vegas star uh and so it kind of so there was this thing about playing having kind of killers um or actors playing against type um, so yeah, the Lovers Lane that one that one went that one was like going into production, but they never actually made it that that's right. far, right? Yeah, so it never yeah. never got made. It's kind of lost slasher from the early eighties. Mm. Um, 
Uh, so this might have been the what he sort of said. Frankie Avalon also said that he can make himself invisible by putting a baseball cap on. And what he meant by that was he said that his head of hair was what most people recognise. So he put a baseball cap on and he used that disguise in this. And so it's a bit like a bit of a plain Jane taking off your glasses and becoming you know a, a bucktooth girl from Luxembourg, but suddenly becoming uh, uh, Anna Nicole Smith. But uh, he said that um, it was his first attempt at playing a heavy. I played a killer. It's a little different from my bathing suit surfboard thing. So I think he was fairly self-depreciating uh, on this. Um, he was interviewed in April 1981 and said the film was being prepped for a full release. So this has already been bumped back from when the director said it was going to be out in April 81. Um, he then said um, it would change titles to Deadly Premonitions uh, um, and said the film was going to be coming out... Um, in 1982 which didn't come out and then uh, he said in March 1983 uh, he said that uh, uh, the film was coming out and he said it was a suspense thriller not a horror movie um, and he said yeah in August 1983 he said Blood Song would be released in a couple of months so this is why I don't feel, think the film ever got any kind of cinema release I think it went straight to video uh, in yeah, the United um, States. Yeah because 83 was probably the the when the the video boom was really starting to take off, so they would probably want to capitalize on that. That that may have been their only avenue. They may have tried the the, the, the cinema release and just could not, for whatever reason, just land the deal, so to speak. Yeah, no, no, absolutely. I'm, I think it's probably the case. I mean, um, you mentioned about the film was obviously very popular in in Oregon. Um, I found uh, there was a couple of um, in uh, things on IMDb, which if you go to IMDb and look up the reviews of the film, there's a couple of people who were in the film as extras. Uh, on there so I won't read the whole thing but um, uh, there was one of them said uh, somebody called Dasad 7 in June 2000 said I had the opportunity to be an extra in this movie while in high school in North Bend Oregon where it was filmed the staff of the film were, were unprofessional to say the least and the overall acting was subpar if not worse so happy memories there um and there was a couple of other uh there's another person talks about their time on the on the uh on the film and donna wilkes thought avalon did a good job she said he was scary um we mentioned about you, you talked to Eric about her being thing. She's actually in a film coming up, looks like a slasher movie, by uh, on IMDb called Buzzcut uh, this year, twenty twenty. Which um, uh, the poster appears to be a woman holding a machete, so I'm presuming it's another uh, slasher movie. Uh, Richard Jekyll, um, who as a father was uh, kind of a tough guy actor in the fifties. Uh, um, known for roles, but he was also in John Carpenter's Starman. Um, and the same year, he was in Airplane Two. In uh, um, sorry, in nineteen eighty two, was in Airplane Two. He was also in The Dark in nineteen seventy nine. And the only other thing I've got is his, her mother was Antoinette Bauer, who was probably better known as Mrs. Hammond in Prom Night from nineteen eighty. So the same year this was filmed. So I think um, ooh, I think that well, is... Simon Logan was talking about you know wanting us to do deep dives. I think that's <laughs> a pretty impressive deep dive on Blood Song, considering there's not much else. No, you know, as far as the release is concerned, I mean, there's nothing really out there aside from a crappy DVD and what you could find on VHS. So. Yeah, yeah, I have that DVD. It's it's um, it's a double bill with Mausoleum. Yes, that's right. Uh, so I'm guessing they just felt they couldn't put Blood Song out in its own. Well, they were at this stage they were releasing double bills and putting out under Grindhouse banner to cash in on the um, 
Quentin Tarantino, Robert Rodriguez thing that was happening at the time. It, it doesn't even look like a, like a typical one inch video master either. It just looks like someone copied like a VHS tape onto a DVD. Exactly. Yeah. And I think I'd probably get more out of the film if it came out in a pro cause I think I'm, I'm getting to the stage where I just want everything to be in a pristine widescreen format. You know, mm. uh, I, I do have nostalgia for VHS, but if it's just a VHS transfer onto a DVD, it doesn't have the, the same quality for me. I don't know if, if it's on actual VHS and I'm watching it, I'll get, I'll probably enjoy it more. I, I think the, the, I think the, um, the, yeah, the act of like actually collecting VHS, I enjoy more than watching a VHS tape because you really are spoiled with these big TVs, but mm. yeah, I get what you mean. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, well, absolutely. I think it's, uh, it, I think it's a film that kind of is crying out. I mean, it's, they said they couldn't find the elements, which again leads me to think that the film never got a, a cinema release in the United States because they couldn't they find They should any look elements. in the kettle. <laughs> look in the kettle on top they of the They might find the element in there. <laughs> oh, oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. You're welcome. You are well, at welcome. Least we got his, at least we got his joke of the week out of the way, so we're not going to listen to that anymore. Um, no, I've got another one. Oh, no. Um, <gasps> the But the film did get, I don't know if I mentioned this, the film did get a release uh, on, at the cinema in, in, in Australia. So it it did get a cinema release in other territories and Mexico as well. It got a release there. So there are film elements out there somewhere. Um but uh, it depends whether or not anyone's going to want to uh, dig deep enough to find them. So, hello, Arrow or Vinegar Syndrome, or eighty-eight films. Someone, um, someone should. I think it's a. I think it's a fun movie. It deserves yeah. to be on Blu-ray. There's certainly a lot worse on Blu-ray. Well, we've got enough inf- information to do a, a a decent commentary track for it. So, uh, yeah, yeah. someone find it. So, if you're it listening, mm-hmm. absolutely. So, okay. Well, uh, I think we've kind of wrapped up Blood Song, which means that unfortunately, it's probably time for this it's my joke of the week it's so so what do you call a 50s teen idol rolling down a hill a Frankie avalanche (laughs) 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 thank you you very much (laughs) the the joke is pretty funny but your delivery was spot on I love the delivery thank you thank you (laughs) Uh, quite that was quite good well done well done thank you thank you you, eric well okay well so what um uh what kind of feedback or what what kind of uh what did our our, what did our dear listeners make a blood song joseph well out of 39 votes we polled uh a bunch of people on our social media accounts out of 39 votes 83 percent enjoyed blood song I imagine this is one that not a lot of people have seen because it's not been properly released but um our listener of the week is Scott Harn. He says, such a strange movie. The concept was likely better than what was ultimately produced. Frankie Avalon as the killer playing a flute, no less. Just leaves me with so many questions that will likely never be answered. That said, it was filmed in my home state. Uh, he must live in Oregon, I think. Yeah. Anyway, so I have a soft spot for it. Plus, it's really so bizarre that it's almost unforgettable. That was from Scott Harn. He's our listener of the week. Well, thank you, Scott. You can find us on uh, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And our email address is either info for general info or feedback at thehysteriacontinues.net. Okay, right. Well, you heard it here first. And now a word from our friends. Hey, everybody. I'm Jay Bullington. And I'm Keith Carcino. And we want to know, have have you you seen seen this one? 
Have You Seen This One, a.k.a. Histo, is a podcast where two friends force, I mean, invite each other to watch movies the other one has never seen before. Sometimes it's a real movie treasure, and sometimes... And sometimes it's pure cinema torture. Boy, is it ever. Which reminds me, Heath, I'm still not done paying you back for Freddy Got Fingered. <laughs> oh, man. So anyway, you may be asking yourself, what credentials or experience do these people have? And the answer is zero. Zilch. Zip. Yeah, we actually have no credibility whatsoever, and there's no reason we should be doing a show about movies. <laughs> no, but we're doing it anyway. <laughs> Besides, doesn't uh, everybody have a podcast nowadays? Yeah, I mean, I think yeah, it's mandatory Right? Now. Yeah, so please join our movie party. You can find us on iTunes. Or Stitcher. Or Overcast. Or pretty much wherever you catch your pods. Yep, and there's a new episode every two weeks. So we really hope you listen in, because we really do want to know. Have, have you, you seen, seen this one? full of them. From low-budget crap fests to downright unwatchable. And only two men are willing to watch them all. So climb in and take your seat. This is Short Bus Cinema. Let's do it. Hey everyone, this is Johnny Krug from Kruger Nation. And this is Rick Morgan from the Helming Power Hour. And we have decided to team up and take you where no one has gone before. We're on a quest to find the world's worst movie, and we're doing it on the bus. Driving through cult classics in every genre to find the holy grail of bad movies. So if you're looking for something different and more fun than you can stand, then climb on in. Short Bus Cinema is a proud member of Legion Podcasts. That's right, yo! Short Bus Cinema. We'd love to watch the movies you hate. So we do have some other. We do have some feedback, don't we? Yes, I have one here. Okay, this is from Eugene Weaver, and he says, "Hi guys, it was great hearing my attempt at some humor. Thanks for taking it all in stride, which is what I intended. I love you all equally, and certainly meant no ill will by it. I don't remember what did Eugene say that it was uh, offended us in the last episode. He was um, he was call- he was like saying like I'm a I'm the heel in wrestling terms. Oh, of course, yeah. yes, 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 because yeah. Joe." Joseph, you are certainly the antagonist slash heel, but hey, I quite like the bad guys, so to speak. You're Ric Flair back when he was the ultimate heel. With regards to Eric's question about what a jobber is in professional wrestling, well, it typically is a derogatory term, but I actually find jobbers quite endearing. Jobbers sounds a bit rude. Um, They typically lose matches to the big wrestling stars, hence they are doing their job. Not to say you're a loser, far from it. You're incredibly likable and always seem to give lots of love to the bottom of the barrel dreck, which I do appreciate. But fear not, in the wrestling world, most people have a soft spot for the jobber because he does his job and he does it well. My all-time favorite jobber back in the day was a man named Steve Lombardi, a.k.a. the Brooklyn Brawler. I always rooted for that guy. Um, He says, when are you going to pick the 1984 movie Sledgehammer to cover? Come on, man, do your job. Keep up the good work, guys. Eugene Weaver. Yeah, so Sledgehammer is very much a Nathan. Yes, and and it it will be chosen. Yay. 
Excellent. Joy. Joy. I can't <laughs> wait. I'm so happy. Since the Mo movie is in slow motion, I am going to record the whole episode in slow motion. <laughs> thank you, Eugene, for putting that idea in Nathan's. Yes, thank you. Yeah, go fuck yourself, Eugene. I still got to <laughs> pick Blood Cult, too. I haven't picked that one either. Oh, God. Oh, joy. Is, oh, joy. Why do you hate us? Why do you hate us? <laughs> I don't. I want you to see it through my eyes. <laughs> Are your eyes brown? Yeah, thank you, Nathan Mars. Um, <laughs> yeah. Okay. I have uh, a bit of feedback here. It says, Hello, Botf- Hello, Podfathers, and happy ninth birthday. I so enjoyed your birthday, Night of the Demon episode. I was able to find a copy on eBay for $10, and I can't wait to watch it. But what I'm sure about, uh, sure is it's about to become one of my favorites. I'm loving all the Patreon episodes and would actually like uh, to make a movie suggestion. Have any of you seen Lady Terminator? I would dearly love to hear what you gents or your gents have to say about this nutty film. I believe it's from the same people who did Mystics of Bali, so you can imagine how stellar the production values are. Um, I've seen uh, Lady Terminator. Have you guys seen it? So have I, yes. Mm. Yes. It um, is awesome. It is yeah, absolutely um, brilliant. Yeah, Johnny and I were actually going to cover that on when we did Ninja Terminators uh, way a couple of years ago. We never got around to it. But I I would love to pick that for Patreon. It's so awful. It's would I like it? Oh, yes. yes you would you love would. this film. You would. Yes. Okay, great. Like, there's a great scene in it where they, uh, somebody's found this man's found with his um, his base genitals been bitten off, and someone asks if it's if they think it's small woodland animals that have done it. So, <laughs> of course, of course, yes. <laughs> Goes on a great double bill with uh, Eve of Destruction, which is very similar but mm-hmm. more more high, more classier, but it's still just as trashy. You should definitely check that out, Nathan. Absolutely, and uh, and it, the this uh, bit of feedback goes off to close off with in closing. I just want to say thank you again for playing our podcast promo. We are so happy to reciprocate. Keep up the great work, guys. Your fan, Jay Bullington, producer and co-host of Have You Seen This One? So if you've not oh, seen this one, you, you should Jay. check it out. Thank you. Yes. So I may I may just have to play your promo in this episode. Oh, as I, think well. it, I think you should. I think you should. So uh, yeah, if if you guys if you have a podcast, and you have a promo, send it. We'll play it. Yeah, we like to help out other people. Exactly. You play ours back, and then we're all happy. So uh, yeah. yeah. Okay. So um, just sort of closing out, we've got uh, just a couple of um, the the Blu-rays are kind of out for if you if you've not got them already and you fancy listening to some of our commentaries. A couple of new releases or relatively new releases. Um, uh, Edge of the Axe is just coming out on Arrow Video. Uh, the Jose Larraz um, late '80s slasher. Uh, it's coming out on a super duper uh, kind of special edition, and also um, uh, I can't remember if you mentioned. I think we did, but we did a commentary track for Terror Train for eighty eight films. And uh, did and we? Out. We did, and they are sending mm. us our review. I, I, I seriously don't remember doing one for Terror Train. I honestly don't. Do you not? We did. <laughs> we did. We did. It was an epic. Wow. We, that was a long time ago. It must have been because I just don't remember. You don't remember it's that being seared into your yeah. brain because that was the the one we had to record the end hey, of it. I edit all the episodes. <laughs> I edit all the Patreon episodes. I edit the commentaries. I tend to forget. They kind of bleed through together sometimes. But this one left a gaping hole, didn't it? As because um, I remember in our psyche because it was uh, the one where we had to re-record the end, the last twenty minutes. Oh yeah. yes, that's right. That maybe that's why I've forgotten it. Yeah, because it was so awesome. We had to do it twice. So well, the film <laughs> oh, was awesome. Yeah, it was works. just. 
saw. That one was a that one was a nightmare to it's edit. So, yeah. So yeah, please so, enjoy that. Yeah, what, enjoy. what little there is. There's a lot of blood, sweat, and tears went into that one. So uh, yeah, yes. um, and we'll let you know when we can if we have anything else coming up. But uh, I guess that is anything else uh, left to say apart from well, who's, who's hmm. it's Eric next time, isn't yeah. it? It is me next time. Yeah. So, Eric, are you going to take it classy? Are you going to maybe, I don't know. I'm I'm making it super classy. You might need glasses, actually. It's a a classy glasses movie. It's the future so bright. Uh, We need shades on your next pick. Well, we need 3D glasses. Mm. Because we're going to see the demise of Freddy. Freddy's (gasps) dead. Absolutely the ultimate final chapter. <laughs> I The turnaround I did for part five, I'm wondering if I'll do a turnaround for part six. I I'm wondering I'm wondering as well. I'm not predicting I will. but No, uh, because uh, I remember but I it being... I love Freddy's dead. I, re- <laughs> I remember it being very, very awful. Of course, I remember part five being very awful too, and I had yeah. a very huge turnaround on that. So maybe I'll find some enjoyment out of this. I yes, did, yes yeah. surely you will this time. I think I'll, I might turn around and throw myself off a cliff um but uh, it's not that bad it's not that bad no it's actually a lot of fun if you like are in the right frame of mind Mm. uh well i haven't seen it since the cinema when it came out the cinema it's another one of my uh one of those disappointments at the cinema but i'm I'm willing to give it another go who knows maybe the um age has only mellowed my you know maybe given a, a you know a pungent vintage so okay well um i guess uh what we're playing out with i haven't i just realized i haven't chosen a song so i shall send you something suitable uh joseph as uh uh, when we come off air it better be a blood song it's got to be a blood song is Is there a song about blood well there's only women bleed isn't there but i don't think that's really appropriate so um, (laughs) that's that's that song isn't it it's that's that song but um i'll I'll come up with something but uh yeah well thank you for listening to hysteria continues so we're heading back to is it springwood where elm street takes place is it springwood yeah yes it is so we're heading back to springwood for some highly effective 3d in inverted commas yes um doesn't johnny depp come back for a cameo for that he does so does roseanne barr yeah wow and alice cooper i think he plays his dad doesn't he He does so there's synchronicity there justin i think we're gonna have a lot of fun with that one so hopefully you've enjoyed this episode uh and if you have then why not go and join us on patreon because uh say we've um in fact actually recently anyway some of the our patreon episodes have been longer haven't they than these shows especially our top threes people seem to really love those top threes those are our top uh no pun intended those are our top viewed uh, top, 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 three, 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 three. Yeah, <laughs> people seem to love the top three, so I guess we'll keep. Uh, we, we're talking about going into the 90s and in the, the 2000s with our top threes as well. One idea I had was um, what would you guys think about once we're done? What if we went back to the 80s and we did our top three worst from 1980 through 89? I think considering we're running out of top three ideas, I think it's not a bad idea. It's not a bad idea, although I'd quite like to do top three 70s perhaps yes. yeah that would be yeah. difficult for me very difficult yeah would it be a challenge we'll see. but yeah. we shall see yeah but we still we still got we still got quite a few to go you know we've still well we're on to 1980 we're on 84 uh this month coming up we and then on to 85 so yeah so tune in to find out if we picked your faves from the uh from the 80s so okay well uh, we'll be playing out the mystery tune uh shortly and uh, as ever thank you for listening and uh, say goodbye to the good people Bye. Bye. Bye bye.
see doing start calling a, him Derek. Is he doing a sweet dump? <laughs> sweet dump. <laughs> oh, I don't know why that was funny, but it was. Flushing his Kit Kats down the toilet. <gasps> he would never do that. No, he'd never do that. Well, he is kind of, I guess. In, Bye. In a kind oh, of I didn't that, know you were gone. I was talking oh. to you. A psychopath escapes from a mental institution and starts a murder spree, which ends in pursuing of a young handicapped girl and once got a blood... Sorry, can I start that again? Sorry. No. I, I will. I'm going to start again. Okay. Uh, a psychopath escapes from a mental institution and starts a murder spree, which ends in the pursuing of a young handicapped girl who once got a blood transfusion. Oh, I can't say the word transfusion. <laughs> transfusion. Let me do it again. Okay. 